exclamation point on a near perfect season. Mark Truex Jr. is the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion. He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be Will Power Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018. Checker flag, Power and Penske win it. Kyle Busch. And here comes Larson. Larson to the bottom of the track. Slide job. Trying to take the lead away. Slide job. Almost. The momentum. The contact. 18. They make contact. The 18 into the wall. NASCAR, IndyCar, and all things motorsports. It's time for the left turn here on X106.7. Now, here's your hosts, Jacob Blair and Trevor Mayer. Welcome into a special edition of the Left Turn. No, we are not live this week. Is unfortunately Winter Stupid Storm. Stupid Mother Nature. Win Winter Storm Bruce decided to wreak havoc on the Midwest. Bad. So Bruce. we are here now on a Wednesday, making up our missed Monday show. We've got a good one today. So we're gonna have about three different segments here. Is we're gonna go through our. The left turn awards, the I took a left turn awards, the first annual. We're going to give out 14 different awards during the course of the show. We're also going to talk about probably one of the biggest weekends we've had in short track racing in a long time with the Gateway Dirt Nationals and Snowball Derby this weekend. But first off, I'm Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with me. Hello. Trevor, how was your Thanksgiving? It was great. Um, some turkey, some ham, some stuffing. Oh, that's, the, that's the underrated meal at Thanksgiving is, is the stuffing. Um, I had two Thanksgivings. That's the beauty, I guess, of having divorced parents. So, twas a great Thanksgiving, and uh, yeah, glad to be back here. How was yours? Great. I had Italian, the, Italian the classic, the uh, classic Thanksgiving meal right there is, is Italian now, food. I know this is a racing show, but we can take a couple minutes maybe to talk food. Your family's not Italian, are they? No, they're okay. not. That's we're about as was, English as the, the that's English. That's what I was come. thinking. I was like, Blair sounds like a pretty English name. I kind of figured, but hey, you know. There's two people in my family, my mom and I, that just do not like most Thanksgiving food. You can call us crazy or whatever you want. We don't like it, so we always try to get some, some other stuff. What's your favorite traditional Thanksgiving food, though? Is it mashed potatoes? It, mashed potatoes are up there. Uh, anytime you get, a lot of times, cornbread. It may not be traditionally traditional, but cornbread will show up a lot, and I, See, I really like cornbread. I like all Thanksgiving stuff. Turkey is probably my least favorite, but I will eat it. Um, but I'm more of a ham person. Same here, ham. Um, yeah, I was at a Thanksgiving dinner, and we had ham, turkey, and chicken. It was great. Okay, I think it's time to, to start talking know, about, about hungry, racing. So We're getting some left side weight on our cars right now. Yeah, uh, I got plenty of weight. Before we get to the first annual, I took a left turn award show. We're going to talk about some some off-season news that occurred over the last little bit of time, uh, and it really a lot of it dropped yesterday, uh, as it, as it came out. The first one yesterday was front row race or front row motorsports. They're going to add a third car. Matt Tift is going to be the one behind the wheel, and interesting and more of a, a surprising move there from front row uh, motorsports. Yeah, this is probably. Tiff's only opportunity to ever get in the cup level. Um, Matt Tiff has not been bad at the Xfinity level by any means. He made the playoffs this year. I think he made the playoffs last year, too. I can't remember. Um, and he's always consistently around that 5th to 10th place range. But he's just never really been a guy that you think of as a real threat like a Daniel Hemrick or a Cole Custer or Christopher Belt. So it's not really a super – it's a surprising move because it came out of nowhere. But it's not probably a bad move for him. Um, I, I don't know what his situation was going to be at RCR this upcoming year anyways, whether he was going to have a ride or not. So, And you get the opportunity to come into a cup level. 
and not necessarily a terrible team either. Front Row Motorsports is one of the better underfunded teams. They always tend to run really well through stricter plates, and normally it's a 20th to 25th place team they put out there. So, I mean, you can't fault the guy, I don't think. Yeah, anytime you get the opportunity to run in the cup, and I agree with you, I don't think there'd ever be an opportunity for Matt Tiff to, to jump up to a top tier ride, and this may be the opportunity to maybe do more than with what he's got, kind of like what Matt DiBenedetto did to, to try to jump up rides and work his way through that, so not a bad move there. Uh, the other news in the cup series all revolved around crew chiefs, as Mike Wheeler was done with the 11, he was no longer going to be Denny Hamlin's crew chief. He will now be the crew chief for Matt Benedetto, so he's going to move over to the 95 car. The other crew chief news is Danny Stockman's going to move up from the Xfinity Series and take over as Austin Dillon's crew chief. Yeah, and those guys have been together for a while. I believe Danny Stockman was his Truck Series crew chief way back in the day, and then also when Austin broke into the Xfinity Series. So they kind of have a good chemistry there. And um, Luke Lambert will who they thought originally was going to be Danny Stockman's crew chief, I believe. He's going to stay with uh, Daniel Hemrick in the 31 car. So, yeah, not a ton, but something. And then the news in the Xfinity series is we kind of mentioned this the last episode we had is Tony Stewart kind of mentioned that in the uh, post-race interview at Homestead after winning the Car Owners Championship that he was going to be running a full-time car. In the a second full-time car in the Xfinity Series, that news did break. Chase Briscoe will be the driver of that second Stuart Haas car in the number 98. And with the release, it made it also sound like Cole Custer is all but confirmed to be back in the double zero again next season. Which really made one, I, I kind of thought Custer, Briscoe would be the guy if they did go to two teams full-time. But now it does make you wonder, with it pretty much sounding like Custer is going to stay there, what do they do with that 41? Does Daniel Suarez make the move? I think that's where it's headed. I, there's been a little bit of, of talk that that's might, that might be who's in that car. You also got to remember that 41 car doesn't have a whole lot of sponsorship. A lot of time you'll just see Haas Automotive behind Automotive on that car. I think that Suarez can bring a little bit of sponsorship that will help with that 41 car. But... but there's not a lot of moves left to be made in the Cup Series. All you really have is what's going to happen with Kurt Busch in the 41 car, what's going to happen with Jamie Murray in the 1 car, and then you've got all the, the lower-level teams that you still got to work with, but a lot of the big teams have been cemented, so there's not a lot of spots left for these guys to go. And the, the big question that came for me yesterday after everything like this is broken is when it was announced Matt Tift was going to move into Front Row Motorsports, Assuming Richard Childress, who has ran three teams the last couple of years, they've had Tift, I think the year before it was Brandon Jones, and then they had Daniel Hemrick, and they had that third car that was kind of the Dillon brothers and Shane Lee. Do they stick with three teams? Do, does it cut down to two? Um, is it a scenario where you have now Tyler Reddick's moving over full-time? Do you have Reddick full-time, and then do you have just one other car where it's kind of the Dillon brothers and whoever in there? Or do you go full-time with that two machine still? And if so, who is the guy? I think if you're Richard Childress, I wouldn't be surprised to see that two-car just not be at the racetrack and you go to just a two-car team. But if you're RCR, you've got to look at your, your driver lineup right now. You're only really running two Cup Series cars. You've got to have... Yes, you've got young drivers in your cars now, but you've got to have a developmental program. So having more Xfinity Series teams helps, but I, I really think we don't see that two-car next year. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, if in the event that is a car that, that does end up full-time yet next year, I think you look at a guy like Justin Haley, maybe with an opportunity there, um, just Trevor Bain, make the move down. I think those would be two guys that would probably 
kind of be the front runners for that if that happens, but I don't know if that happens. And then there was also one truck series move that kind of was quiet and it was announced a little bit ago, but it was a quiet announcement as Noah Gragson was moving mm-hmm. up. Harrison Burton is going to be tabbed full time to take over the number 18 truck for 2019. Yeah, and Harrison Burton's ran some races this year. He's actually had some really good races. I think he's knocking on the door of a win. I don't know that he's a championship contender in 2019. Um, the son of longtime NASCAR driver Jeff Burton. That's a really, like you said, a really quiet move that I think could pay off. And then that that wraps up all the NASCAR silly season news of the week. The other. There was one piece of IndyCar silly season news. It's Jordan King, who ran the road course races for Ed Carpenter Racing this last season. He landed an Indy 500 ride with Ray Hall Letterman Landing and Racing. He'll drive their third car this year at the Indy 500. Yeah, not a ton of stuff going on in the IndyCar silly season so far this season. You mentioned Jordan King going to run the Indy 500. Um, Marcus Erickson is going to replace Robert Wiggins. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Ed Jones will be part-time at Carpenter Racing. And then Pat O'Ward and Colton Herta are planning on running full-time with Harding Steinbrenner Racing. And then also you've got Felix Rosenfist moving to Chip Ganassi to replace Ed Jones. But just kind of a quiet, silly season for the IndyCars. I'm pretty sure you just went through that whole list just so you could get to You're Felix Rosenfist. Darn right I did. That's the only reason I did it. So that wraps up all the, the silly season news of the week. They'll, it seems like every week we... I always have to bring up something. It's really not worth a full segment, but you have to just catch up on, on all the news that drops. I'm sure we'll get some more news in the upcoming weeks with that 41 in the one car in the Cup Series as well as the couple Xfinity Series rides we are not sure of yet. And now it is time to transition into the first annual I Took a Left Turn award show. we got 14 different awards to hand out, and this is throughout all of racing. Anything was up, up in the air, and you could pick anything. But the first award... Where the I Took a Left Turn Awards is Race of the Year. Trevor, what is your nomination? I'm going with the Cup Race at the Roval. That was one of the most entertaining races I've seen in a long time. There was a lot of talk coming into it about what to expect. We thought it'd be wild. There were some people who thought maybe drivers would be conservative and it'd be really boring. Throwing the fact there was a cutoff race did not disappoint. All day long, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson had the three best cars. Stuff got really crazy towards the end. Keselowski and Larson get caught in a wreck. Jimmy Johnson, quiet all day, all of a sudden finds himself in second behind Martin Truex. Goes for broke on the final turn, even though he's already locked into the round of 12. If he just settles for a second, ends up taking him and Martin Truex Jr. out. Ryan Blaney wins the race. We get a three-way tie for the, the last transfer spot between Kyle Larson, Eric Almarola, and Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson's left out. There were just so many storylines. It was such an entertaining race, and it exceeded expectations far and away. It's already got me excited for next year. For me, it's got to be the cup race at the Roval. For me, I was going back. I really was looking at the, the Martinsville race from the fall with, with all that happened between Logano and Truex. But then I remembered what happens in midsummer, and that's the Truck Dirt Derby at Eldora. And that race was great between Chase Briscoe and Grant Infair banging doors to the line. It doesn't get any better than that. That The, the Dirt Derby is one of my favorite races every year. As soon as that race is done, I start marking off the days until the next year's version. That was a great race. So, so for me, the, the race of the year goes to the Eldora Dirt Derby. Yeah, that was a really fun race. Are we going to fight now about which one deserves it? Should we? Nah. No? Nah. Just two winners? Just two winners. That works. That's fine. Better than us fighting about it. I mean, we if we started fighting, we'd be on like every single award for about 10 minutes. Yeah. And this would be like and I'm a really stu- And I'm really show. stubborn, so eventually you would just concede because I would argue until 
until you got tired. So we'll now move on to our second I Took a Left Turn Award, and that's going to be Celebration of the Year. This is for drivers that provided the best or most emotional victory lane celebration. So Trevor, what is who is your pick for Celebration of the Year? I'm going with Brad Sweet at the Knoxville Nationals. Um, going sprint cars here. Um, I'm from Iowa, so the Knoxville Nationals are a huge thing. I've never been. It's on my bucket list. One of these years I'm going to get there. But I swear after he won it, he was so excited. Um, his celebration proved it, and they did a live concert at the end of the Knoxville Nationals. And let's just say that he was having the time of his life. I don't know that he remembered winning the Knoxville Nationals, but uh, got to be Brad Sweet showing off the emotion after winning the Knoxville Nationals. That, w- that was a good one, but I'm going to go with Will Power at the Indianapolis 500. And w- what sold it for me on that one was just his eyes when he got out of the race car and the psychotic look on his face. There's really no other way to describe it, just how thrilled Will Power was to win the Indianapolis 500. It was raw emotion, and it w- was great to see someone that excited to win a race, so much so they looked almost angry they were that excited. So mine goes to Will Power at the Indianapolis 500. Not a bad one. I mean, Power's never, he's kind of turned himself into a really good oval racer, and you could just tell how excited and relieved he was to get the win. And with the Indy 500, I think that it's always been one of the, it's been the biggest race in the United States, but with some of the, you know, other guys that have been at the race, won the race, you saw Takuma Sato win the race, Will Power wins it. You got Fernando Alonso that's come over. It's really returned the Indy 500 to being a worldwide mm-hmm. race, and you just saw what it meant to win with willpower. Yeah, that was great. That's not a bad one either. So now we'll move on to award number three, and this is the crazy, craziest controversy or surprise from the 2019 season. Mine, I, I really wish it would have been different because it would have been a lot crazier, but I'm going with Kevin Harvick being deemed illegal after Texas. Um if you're not familiar, Kevin Harvick in the round of eight, they go to the race of Texas. He pretty much is the class of the field all day long, wins the race, punches his ticket to the championship four, or so we think. And then it comes out on Wednesday after the race that there was some tampering with a spoiler. It was deemed illegal. The win is revoked, and he got a huge point penalty, and he had to race his way back in to the championship four. It created for a ton of drama the next week. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere because Sunday night you're thinking, okay, Kevin Harvick's going to Miami. And then on Wednesday when it broke, I, I was shocked. I know you were shocked. I think anyone that read it was shocked. It created a lot of debate about maybe the rule system in general, um, how NASCAR texts people, um, and just kind of how, it, how everything works. So I definitely got to go with Kevin Harvick being deemed illegal after Texas. That was a crazy week for NASCAR, mm-hmm. but mine is going to be a crazy day, and that was for the first time in a long time, there was a, an actual bump day that meant something at the Indianapolis 500, and it was James Hinchcliffe, one of the drivers, one of the big names of IndyCar that missed out on making the Indianapolis 500. Went out there, was slow as first run, goes out for a second run, doesn't like it, comes in, and then it was Pippa Mann that went back out. She was trying to make the race. The clock expires, and James Hinchcliffe is one of the drivers not in the Indy 500 field, and that was just huge news for IndyCar to have basically their most popular driver. I believe Hinchcliffe was awarded most popular driver for IndyCar this year, not in the Indianapolis 500. But that's one thing you got to love about IndyCar and the Indianapolis 500. There's no provisionals. There, there's nothing that guarantees you a spot in the field. If you not, if you're not fast enough, you're not going to make it. 
But James Hinchcliffe missing the Indy 500 is my craziest surprise and moment in that regard of the season. Yeah, I couldn't believe that either when I saw he missed it. Um, you know, cause like you said, we haven't really had a bump day the last couple of years. And then when they do get one, um, it, it was pretty dramatic. And, and I think with all the announcements of already who's going to be at the Indy 500 this year, I haven't looked at the official entry count because really at the end of one year, you already look at how many cars are going to be there for the next year. We're already a really good number for November. And I think we'll have another, I think we're looking at another year with 35, 36 entries into the Indianapolis 500. So it'll be another really crazy day on bump day. It will be fun. And if you haven't noticed, I'm already on an IndyCar trend for these awards, and I will warn everybody that will continue as we move forward as we're going to go to our next award, the most surprising driver of the 2019 season. Mine is the Iowa boy, Brett Moffitt. Um, I, I don't think anyone in their right mind when the season started in February said Brett Moffitt's going to be your Truck Series champion. I think everyone talked about Gregson. Everyone talked about Sauter. Um, I think Matt Crafton was a guy that everyone probably talked about too, as well as Ben Rhodes. And even a guy like Stuart Friesen. But Brett Moffitt running for an underfunded Shigikiatori racing team with just a handful of full-time employees, gets a full-time ride, comes in, wins six different races, and captures a championship. And we still don't know what his plans are for 2019. But uh, Brett Moffitt showed us in 2018 that he can wheel a race car. And uh, that's my most surprising driver. My most surprising driver is going to be the 2018, I think I've been saying 2019 season, we're almost there, but the 2018 season is going to be the 2018 Rookie of the Year in the IndyCar Series, it's going to be Robert Wickens, and I know he had that, that horrific crash at Pocono and he's still recovering from that, but up until that point, he came onto the IndyCar circuit and was lighting it up, yes, he was not able to, to win a race, but had multiple opportunities to win races, and was putting together a stellar season, almost won one of the opening race of St. Petersburg, ran well in the Oval at Phoenix, later ran well at the Oval in, in uh, Texas before ended up in a crash. He just had a really good season and opened a lot of eyes, and, and hopefully he's able to recover and get back in an IndyCar in the future. Yeah, he kind of took the IndyCar circuit by storm. Probably should have won a couple races, but was on the wrong end of those, and then unfortunately was caught up in a really bad accident at Pocono that ended his season prematurely and hopefully he can get back in a car sometime soon and pick up right where he left off and then we'll move to the other side of most surprising driver the most disappointing driver of the 2018 season for me it's kyle larson i know it might sound a little crazy people go well trevor but he made the playoffs yeah but at some point everyone's been talking for the last four or five years about how kyle larson is the next big thing and he needs to break through at some point. 2017, he won a couple races. Everyone thought he was a championship favorite. And you think, okay, this kid's finally breaking through. So coming to 2018, and you're like, all right, this is a championship favorite. This is going to be a guy that he runs well at a lot of different tracks. And then he didn't have a terrible year. He lost a lot of races that he probably should have won. But uh, didn't get to victory lane. And I'm sure he would tell you it's a disappointment too. So Kyle Larson was my most disappointing driver in 2018. And again, I'm going to stick with the IndyCar series for my most disappointing driver, but mine's Simon Pagano. A former IndyCar champion, likes to win races, is an extremely fast Doesn't driver. Everybody like to win races, well, though. Everyone does, but he actually does it. Uh, and this year just did not get it done in 17 starts on the IndyCar series circuit. Only had two podiums all season long, only led 31 laps. The, the Pagano just did not have the speed this season, so hopefully he's able to make a bounce back next year. But disappointing, as he was 
really the worst of the Penske drivers this season. Yeah, you always think the last couple of years, Pagano is going to be a guy that no matter what, what car he's in, he's going to be a contender. And this year, just, I mean, he wasn't. He finished sixth in the standings behind Dixon, Rossi, Power, Hunter Ray, and Newgarden, and was just never really a factor. Now we get around the halfway point of the I Took a Left Turn Awards. We'll move on to the next award, and this is Crash of the Year. And we, we both know that really this award would go to Robert Wickens, but we're not going to do that because we're still hoping and, and wishing Wickens a, a speedy and hopefully full recovery moving forward. So we're going we're gonna to stay away from that one. But, Trevor, what is your Crash of the Year? Mine's one that I honestly forgot about until I – was kind of going back and I may or may not have looked at some highlights to see you know looked at some crashes to see which one would what stick out to me and I'm going with Jamie McMurray's crash during practice at Talladega um, they were drafting he ended up rolling several times a pretty violent vicious crash that he was able to walk away from but uh, that's my crash of the year for sure and mine will we'll stick with the IndyCar series I warned everyone that this was going to be the case but mine was the the wreck at Portland uh, the return to Portland is there was the, the big pile up on the opening lap as dust is flying everywhere as everyone flies it's off crazy. the racetrack. Marco Andretti's flipping, and you just hear that Scott Dixon is in the crash, and it's going to end his championship hopes. And somehow through that whole mess, Scott Dixon doesn't hit anything and ends up saving his championship through sheer luck. That that crash itself, there's just there's so much going on, and for Scott Dixon not to hit anything, it's almost that fact of this wreck that, that makes it my crash of the year well in that crash him not getting involved in that won him the championship i mean because i was watching it live and when i saw it i was like oh that doesn't look good uh, and when they said dixon's in the middle of that i thought well alexander rossi's probably clinched himself the championship and then they showed the onboard of scott dixon and I have no idea how he made it through it. I'm I, not I, sure scott dixon has any idea how i don't he made it through know it. if anyone will ever know how he made it through that because generally when something's that i mean we, we all know it's sheer luck he didn't mm -hmm. hit anything but still to be able to not panic not do anything well, with your wheel to just hold the, the car straight and hope when you can't see anything because the camera can see through all of that dust better than than he could yeah i mean it was even worse than what his onboard showed and for him just not to hit anything was incredible and indy cars are obviously a lot different than the nascar whereas all times the indy cars if you hit anything you're done you know, NASCAR, not that doesn't happen, but he managed to not hit anything and then finished, he finished third or fourth. He, he did enough to keep himself alive. He had alive. a good run at Portland. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, he that, that basically won him the championship right there. It was somehow getting through the mayhem on, on the early laps of Portland. He was able to fight back for a fifth place finish fifth. in the second to last race, which was able to keep him alive for that championship, which he ended up winning. And for the next award, we were going to do the unluckiest car driver of the year, but we can go ahead and give that to the number 60 car in the Xfinity series. Yeah, that's... Uh, so that one we really didn't put on. Maybe it was, Daniel it was too, too obvious, but it really is going to the 60 yeah. car. So our next one, as we started this new segment a couple weeks ago called Baby of the Week, and we're going to go ahead and award the Baby of the Year. I think you know who mine is. You Well, of course. It's the poster baby, right? It's Kyle Busch. Um, and if we did this next year, it'd probably be Kyle Busch. And if we did this last year, it probably would have been Kyle Busch. Um, my thing is, I think it's just the way Kyle Busch comes across. You know, He's arrogant. He's whiny. Um, it seems like no matter... I mean, he could have a car that leads 250 laps and finishes third, and it's a terrible car. Uh, the one that really sticks out to me, well, there's a couple, I guess, is Kyle Busch, is... 
Going back to Chicago, him and Kyle Larson have that great race where Larson tries to pull a slide job on him. They get into each other. And afterwards, I think it was maybe Rutledge Wood from NBC went to interview him. And Kyle basically said, well, I don't know why, ever, you know, if it wasn't for lap traffic, it never would have been a race. If you don't like this type of racing, don't watch, which he's not wrong with. I totally agree with. But I think the whole kind of the gestures he made into the camera of the crybaby thing, I think that was uncalled for. There was also an interview at, at Bristol in the Xfinity race when he had a flat tire that I think it was Dave Snyder that ended up talking, or not Dave, Dave Burns ended up talking to him, that he just didn't seem real happy or enthused. He was kind of rude. And then when him and Kevin Harvick got into it in New Hampshire, good old short track racing, bump and run, and he kind of threw a fit about it. So there were multiple scenarios this year where Kyle Busch fits out and calling Joey Logano a chicken, you know what, in a instant that he had nothing to do with. You so really, how do you top that? You really can't, which is why uh, I'm going to go and give the whole Toyota camp of the Toyota I mean, drivers the Baby of the Year award because between Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, all of them this year, um, I, I don't think Daniel Suarez, I, I think he's the lone wolf in the group that it's not really part of this didn't really do anything and really not eric jones either but just those three those three toyota drivers they they cause a lot of problems made a lot of of comments that you know martin shrex complaining about people racing him hard you just said about kyle bush and then you know you get some stuff with denny hamlin a little bit but just the toyota drivers as a whole and you it's almost like the TRD camp as well. It just it gets drivers with this kind of personality. I think it's in the contract. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. So watch out, Matt Benedetto. We'll see. I, I, I hope not. not. I like yeah. that. As now we will move to our next I Took a Left Turn award, and it is the Breakthrough Driver of the Year. Mine is Ross Chastain. Um, I know, really, he kind of got this award based on what he did in three races. But he also earned himself a really competitive full-time ride for next year, and I think will enter the season as one of the championship favorites in the Xfinity Series. But Ross Chastain's been a guy that's never really had top equipment. Um, towards the play, when he got close to playoff time, there was a deal with Chip Ganassi Racing where he joined them for three races to kind of clinch his ticket into the playoffs. Probably should have won at Darlington. Got cut up in an accident with Kevin Harvick. Ends up not winning that race. Turns around, wins at Las Vegas in pretty dominating fashion, and then finished second in Richmond to kind of seal his fate. And then he earned himself a full-time ride. So I think we're going to hear the name Ross Chastain a lot next year, and I think this year is because of it. My breakthrough driver of the year is Justin Haley, as he was able to pick up three truck series wins uh, this season, made the championship four as he kind of was able to become consistent enough, put himself in positions to win, and started winning races, which got him in consideration for moving up to the Xfinity Series. There's still some rides available. We may hear his name called to move up. If not, he'll, he'll for sure be another championship contender at GMS next season. Yeah, Justin Haley, a young kid. I think he's only 20, 21, not real old. Um, he's going to be a name that you hear a lot over the next many years as well. As our next award is the Comeback Driver of the Year. My comeback driver of the year is Eric Almirola. Um, made the transition from Richard Petty Motorsports over to Stuart Haas this year, replacing Danica Patrick. And Eric Almirola raced really well all year. Qualified for the playoffs, won a race at Talladega. Probably should have won the Daytona 500. Probably should have won at New Hampshire. Probably should have won. He had three or four races this year where he probably should have won that he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And 
was really not that far out of making the championship for it. He had a car on at Homestead without making the championship for that. Maybe if you'd have made it, he could have been a threat. And Eric Amarola is my my comeback driver of the year. And I think also with that, I think it solidifies my belief that Danica Patrick sucks, at least in NASCAR. I mean, you look at same car, different drivers. Danica Patrick never came close to even sniffing the playoffs. I mean, if she could finish on the lead lap and keep it out of the wall, that was a victory. And it wasn't like Eric Almarola snuck into the playoffs running 12th no, every he, week. They, they, he, he was he, contending I know for the wins. only race he won was a restrictor plate race, but there were a couple races where if things went his way yeah. a little bit more, he ends up in victory lane a couple times this season. I think we'll see that 10 car. Yeah, I think it's give or take. I, I know I said last week that I think Eric Elmerwell might be the one driver that is knocked out of the playoffs that was in it this year. But on the same note, he could be a surprise that gets even more competitive yeah. next year. So I, I think that was definitely kind of a career resurgence for him. Um, I think you could also maybe make the argument Joey Logano if you really wanted to, um, given that he didn't make the playoffs two years ago and then he ended up being Cup Series champion this year. But – yeah, that's my comeback driver of the year, Eric Amarillo. And my comeback driver of the year, going back to the IndyCar series, is Sebastian Bourdais. After, I know he was able to come back last season a little bit after his horrific crash in the Indy 500 qualifying, but came back this season, first race back at St. Petersburg, was able to pick up that win, and then went on to a solid season to finish seventh in points, got a couple podiums, led over 100 laps, uh, but was there in a lot of races. So my comeback racer of the year is Sebastian Bourdais. Yeah, good to see Sebastian Bourdais, and hopefully in a year or two we can be saying the same thing about Robert Wickens. That is the hope. Is now we will move on to crew chief of the year. I'm going with Rodney Childers, the crew chief for Kevin Harvick. Um, they were the they were the team to beat most of the year this year. Eight wins total, although two of them were deemed illegal. They still get the trophies and the the money and stuff, just not the, all the points. But I I think they are just a really good duo together. They were the dominant team week in and week out. I do think him being suspended for the last two races did kind of hurt that four team maybe just a little, but I'm going with Rodney Childers, and I have a feeling that you took the guy that I was going to take. My crew chief of the year is Cole Pern, and I I don't really think there's a whole lot of argument with this one because what he did with a team that knew they were going to be folding at the end of the season, he was able to help them get to a championship four along with a season of four wins, 20 top fives, 21 top tens, four pulls, led over 1,000 laps. I think that the 78 car, especially holding that that group of guys together, knowing what was happening at the end of the season, that was a lot to do and just keep that team as competitive as they were in the championship race was an accomplishment in and of itself. I'm going to say right now, if Kyle Busch would have won the Cup Series championship, Adam Stevens would have been my crew chief of the year based off of just a gamble they took at Homestead. But instead, I'm going for Rodney Childers. I don't think that can be an argument. Just the 18 car didn't have the speed at Homestead to hang on to it. As we will now move to some short track awards, and we're going to go with the short track event of the year. So this is not necessarily the race and the way it occurred on the racetrack, but the event as a whole. What is your tor- track event of the year? Mine was the the swampy mess that was the 2018 IMCA Boone Super Nationals. Um, held every year at Boone Speedway in Boone, Iowa. It's a big deal. It's basically a week-long party where, I mean, you get 800. It's not crazy to say 800 cars or so I, are there. They were down this year, I, I think, a little bit at about 600 yeah. because of the weather. Yeah, and uh, 
that week it was just pretty much constant rain throughout Iowa. Um, they had to move some stuff around. The compact supernational race actually ended up getting canceled, and uh, it was just it was a mess from just talking to people that went up there and saw races and stuff. Just it was the pictures. It was crazy. It was. I saw a picture of a truck that was basically underwater in the infield. Um, it still was a, ended up being a great show, as it always is. A lot of great racing, but it it was uh, it was a mess to say the least. Yeah, and I know I, had a, I knew I know a lot of people that were up there racing that one, and just some of the pictures that came across social media of of ruts that were yeah. three four feet deep at, at some point because of just how muddy it was, and that the race cars were there and. They ended up with with a great show, especially there on Saturday. My short track event of the year, kind of in the same vein with, with dealing with rain, was the World 100. They, they get about 100 cars there the original weekend. They get the first night in, but then the second night ends up getting rained out. They come back the, the on the rescheduled date. They deal with some more rain, but they end up getting the whole show in, and, and it was a really pretty good race at that. And with the amount of people that are there at Eldora, I think the World 100 gets this year's short track event of the year. Yeah, tough to argue with that. I think both of them are, are pretty worthy. Although, being not well, I think if we did this one week later, there'd be a, an event where a couple events we're going to yeah, talk about here in a little bit. That we could bit make that, a very valid argument. Beat that. And uh, this weekend is, is huge for short track racing. So now we're going to move on to the short track race of the year. So this is actually the race that occurred on the racetrack. So I'm going to stay local again. Um, I'm going to go with the Silver Hour Nationals out at IE Speedway in Greenwood, Nebraska. Uh, big, big race. They always have the the third or fourth week of July, $53,000 to win late models. You get the heavy hitters like a Scott Bloomquist, Bobby Pierce, those guys. Bobby Pierce had never been to I-80 Speedway prior to that race. Put on a pretty impressive show. Looked like he was on his way to winning it, taking home the big payday. His motor goes south with a couple laps to go. Chances of winning go out the window, and Jonathan Davenport is able to win for the second time in three years. And uh, interesting, Davenport didn't win it in 2017 because he wasn't there. So I, I think that, to me, that was the race of the year. They put on a great show. Um, it's always a, a huge event out there. Um, the stands are packed, and they got their money's worth this year. My short track race of the year, we're going to go to the asphalt side with some super late models, was the Winchester 400. And I wasn't able to actually you know, watch this race, but just what I, I saw in the end of it is Chandler Smith and Jeff Chiquette went at it for about the final 30 laps. They were banging off of each other, but Chandler Smith, they both kept it clean. Smith was the faster car, was trying to work around him, but in the end it was Jeff Chiquette that ended up with the win. Both of those drivers will be seen at the Snowball Derby this weekend. Uh, so that was my short track race of the year. The Winchester 400, one of the biggest asphalt late model races of the year, probably right behind the Snowball Derby. Now we'll move to our final short track award, and this is the short track driver of the year. I'm going to stay local, and I'm going to go out there a little bit. I'm going to go IMCA stock car driver Mike Nichols. Um, for those of you that maybe don't follow the kind of regional racing scene, uh, Mike Nichols throughout his career has been absolutely dominant. Uh, this year he picked up, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I, I was close to 50 wins. That's a normal year for Mike Nichols. Um, also picked up his eighth IMCA national championship. And I think the most impressive thing was, is he got to that 500 career win mark this year. That's just an IMCA competition. That's not unsanctioned stuff. Um, but 500 career wins. Uh, one of the best dirt drivers, 
that we've seen in a stock car probably in the U.S. in a long time. And I'm going to go with him. I debated Jonathan Davenport winning 13 races in this season, including Silver Dollar Nationals and the Lucas Oil title. But I'm going to go with Mike Nichols as my short track driver of the year. And I, and I was going back and forth between two guys. One of those was Donnie Schatz with the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars. Just He continues to dominate that, that scene, picking up another championship, winning a ton of races. But in the end, I went with a super late model driver, driver in Bubba Pollard. Bubba Pollard, he likes to run these super late model races in the South. This year, he ventures and starts running some different places. And there was this, about a week or so span where he went and, and moved up and went to Oxford Plains Speedway in Maine to run the Oxford 250. Never had been there before. They run a really weird format. He ends up, and everyone kind of said that, you know, he can probably win this next year. You don't do it in your first time going to Oxford. Well, Bubba Pollard did, and then he turns around a little bit later, goes in to Ontario to run at Jacasa Motor Speedway up there for this huge short track nationals with a ton of money on the line, wins that one as well. So Bubba Pollard has just been winning everywhere this year and has had a phenomenal season, and is he going to be able to uh, kind of finish it off? He's going to be running the double with the Snowflake 100 and Snowball Derby this weekend. Yeah, again, not a not a bad pick. I don't think any of these we've made have been super out there and ridiculous. So, yeah. That's kind of the goal. Yeah, well, I could pull Kramer Sandstone. We never know. We do have one more award, and it's Jimmy the Johnson. biggest award the of uh, the first annual I Took a Left Turn Awards. It is our Driver of the Year. Trevor, who is your Driver of the Year? Jimmy John. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going with Joey Logano. I debated on this one back and forth between a handful of guys. I debated I debated Brett Moffitt, to be honest with you. But Joey Logano, when you look at it, maybe you could say he didn't have the best year. But in the end, he won a championship. He won three races. Wasn't Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex this year. He was never one of those so-called big three. But he was right there, and he had the type of season that wins championships more often than not. Most seasons, we talked about this last week, the guy that wins the most races doesn't win the championship. But Joey Logano all year, he was consistent, was in the right place at the right time, made a championship-winning move to bump Martin Truex Jr. out of the way at Martinsville, and then drove the wheels off the thing at Homestead to clinch that first championship, and I don't think it'll be his last. This was the beginning of the Joey Logano era, and Joey Logano was my 2018 Driver of the Year. I don't think you can argue with that one. And mine, we're not going to go with the champion, which is already going to start kind of the argument for maybe it isn't the best choice. But I'm going to go with Alexander Rossi, and I'm going to explain this before Trevor can yell at me for that. But I'm not going to yell. You sure? Maybe. <laughs> Alexander Rossi ended up with three wins this season, eight podiums, three poles, led 415 laps with an average finish of 5.7. The reason I'm going with Alexander Rossi is, like you said, Joey, that it's the beginning of the Joey Logano era. I think Alexander Rossi has set himself up to dominate the IndyCar series moving forward. Some of the, so he was he didn't win the championship, but just watching him, some of the the sheer speed, the raw speed he could get out of his race car at points, and some of the moves he made all season long, some of these daring moves, and was able to hang on to his race car. He made some really exciting moves, and just under that, the excitement he provided for IndyCar, I think Alexander Rossi deserves my driver of the year. I think that's a good one. Um, I, th- I think he's a guy that, yeah, he kind of put his name out there this year because um, when he won the Indy 500 a couple years ago, that was kind of a little bit out of nowhere. Now it, it isn't out of nowhere when you see that he won a race. So, yeah, no, I won't scream and yell at you for that one You because know, I scream and yell so much. 
Yeah, so that was the first annual I Took a Left Turn Awards, 14 different awards handed out by Trevor and I. If any of the winners would like to contact us to pick up their awards, they are welcome to. Yeah, they're not going to. So, so now we will ma- take a transition and turn to some of the racing action happening this weekend as there are it's a huge weekend for short track racing as both the third annual Gateway Dirt Nationals and the 51st annual Snowball Derby are both happening this weekend. The the Gateway Dirt Nationals normally are a couple weeks later than this after the first two years, but with them being inside the dome, they had to work around some concert schedules. So this was the weekend that that ended up, and it's just going to make it a, a massive weekend for short track racing. It's the be- it's the best short track racing week in of the year by far this is almost kind of like memorial day weekend for short track racing it's not supposed to be that way no. but just the way the dates it, worked out the this way year, it works out it, it happened and we're going to start with the gateway dirt nationals and for anyone that is not aware of this event it's its third year and it is a race on a fifth mile inside of the dome at the america center where the st louis rams used to play so at this point i can i can graciously thank st louis for for moving moving to to los angeles because this is what made this event happen this as i will be going to this event this will be the the second time i visited this event i went last year the first year i was extremely skeptical i was a quiet skeptic i wasn't going out there and saying i was but inside i really didn't think it was going to work and then well uh it it was daryl land again shannon babb scott bloomquist first night put on one of the best shows you will ever see and i was hooked for this race at that point on this year, they run the late models. They run open-wheel modifieds. This year, they added the midgets, and the driver lineup that at least have entered up to this point is just spectacular. Holy cow, yeah, just scouring through it. Uh, you throw in a guy, Justin Allgaier, Christopher Bell, um, uh, favorite of the show, Recky Spinhouse Jr., also going to be there, Kyle. What is the over-under we see Recky Spinhouse? Oh, he's going he's gonna, to flip his midget at some point it. this weekend. He's going to do it. It's going to happen. Or he's going to hit the wall. Or both. Well, half the midget drivers will probably but hit he'll, the wall. He'll he'll bring a whole new meaning to hitting the wall. But like the the for up until this point, it had been an open entry for the Gateway Dirt Nationals. This year, with the adding with the added class in the midgets, they went ahead and made the open wheel modifieds and the midgets invite only. But the good thing about that is they took some input from the fans and who the fans wanted to see. So guys like Darren Fuquay, who won the USRA Modified National Championship, he ended up getting an invite. There were some cool campaigns drivers went on to get invites into this. But just I think with the entry list right now, you've had 110 is I think the number I went and tried to count through it. 110 late model drivers have been entered. With the way it works is 110 probably won't show up because you always lose a couple because you got to enter before you get there. So some drivers have hurt their cars or decide not to show up. Something comes in the way. 110 late models, and I believe there were 69 midget entries and 57 of those drivers have registered. And then 65 open wheel modified invites, and I believe 58 of those drivers are entered. So right now you're sitting at about 225 cars that have entered for this event. Yeah, and looking at... Some of the entries just in the midgets alone. I mentioned Allgaier, Stenhouse, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe, a guy who just got a full-time ride. Some interesting ones, Bobby Pierce and Tim McCready are both under the entry list for midgets. I believe Bobby Pierce is trying to run all three. He's going to run in the open wheel modifieds and midgets and the late models, which that in itself is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that'll be a ton of fun. Um, Obviously, Joey Saldana, um, Logan Seavey, those guys. Donnie Schatz, of course, will be there. 
Brad Sweet, as I mentioned, and I think the big one that um, we haven't mentioned is Tony Stewart is listed. He, he, I think he was invited. He did He's not invited. enter. Because, like I said, there's about 10 or so drivers in the midges that were invited and have not did not file their entries. I think Justin Allgaier was one of those, and Tony Stewart was another. But they were invited. They didn't end up with entries. So there, there's some – this could have been even bigger. But, you know, you can't expect all of these guys to get there. But just with the midgets, you've got a ton of NASCAR drivers. The The modified field is loaded with top talent drivers. They're on dirt. I mean, you're going to have Kenny Wallace there. He's been there for a while. Is Kenny Schrader there? I don't believe Schrader will be there. I know there. he normally likes to run modified stuff. That makes me sad if he's not there. And he is not there, no. But you've still got – you look at – you've got Cal Strickler. Um, just kind of looking at some of the dominant modified guys. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good show for sure. I mean, Ray Bollinger is going to be there. I think he was your – winner last season you've got a lot of of guys but then you look at the the super late models and that's where a lot almost every big name you can think of has been entered into this event but the cool thing about the gateway dirt nationals is because it's such a small track really anyone can compete at this event last year we saw guys like tyler carpenter and other ones that kind of our local guys come to this event and put on great shows we saw gordy gundaker win a, a prelim night feature it's a fantastic night. Hudson O'Neill won a prelim last year before Bobby Pierce was able to pick up the, the big check at the end of Saturday. But just the names that are here and the atmosphere racing inside of a dome creates, it's one of the most unique races you'll go to all year. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one um, for sure. It's going to be a ton of fun. And I've been paying a lot of attention to what they've done this year is in the past, they've been, they've used Ute tires as, as the boundaries to the inside lane, and a lot of times drivers will push those out of the way and try to grab their left rears on the concrete. Well, this year they've extended the, the media barriers out a little bit further to the racetrack, so drivers aren't going to be able to move these tires around on exit as much. They're going to be forced to stay on the racetrack, and it's going to also be interesting to see what the midgets do to the racetrack. Is up until this point, you've only had open wheel modified, you've only had late models. It's been a bottom side dominant racetrack. That doesn't mean we haven't seen great racing. I mean, Shannon Babb last year, just putting it up on the fence, was basically racing on top of the barriers on the outside wall. The, the cushion got so 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 large over there. But with the midgets there, I think the track will do a little bit of a – it'll work a little bit differently. And I think overall it will help the racing and make it a little bit multiple, more multiple groove. Yeah, um, it's going to be a, a fun show. I'm sure you're going to have a great time. I cannot wait. I, I've basically been counting down the days of when I get to get in my car and head over to St. Louis to uh, take in the, the third year of this. And the other the, – the last point of this one is they do something really special – with this one is they make it almost feel like a supercross event it is each class will Are have on a ramp stuff well well, no, well they do with the track i mean we, we've seen some that's another thing is that the speed on this little fifth mile inside of a dome they're still moving at this racetrack we've seen some pretty vicious crashes in the first two years uh, these guys are moving, but the the most one of the most unique things is the driver introductions in this race. Is you're able to come out almost like a, a football introduction at a, a stadium. You come out from under the tunnel through the smoke and fog as strobe lights go all around the stadium, and then you can kind of do whatever introduction dance or move you want to do. And we've seen some really interesting ones that create talking moments for this race. As again, I, I'm extremely excited for this one. I can tell. 
That, that's good. And, and that's before we move on to the Snowball Derby, so I know I've talked a lot about this, is Thursday night they're going to start the program, and then Friday night is prelim night. Saturday night is the full night, and all that coverage will be handled by DirtOnDirt.com. So those guys will have all of that coverage. It's going to be an exciting one. Yeah, that's going to be someone definitely to keep an eye on. Um, I, I know there's some local guys or some modified guys that I know personally that I'm going to be tracking as well. So best of luck to them and everyone out there this weekend. And that's just the first event that is happening yeah. this weekend. Is The other one is the 51st Annual Snowball Derby. This is the biggest asphalt late model race of the year as everyone will take the trek down to Pensacola, Florida to take on Five Flags Speedway. We've seen a lot of NASCAR drivers win this race, compete in this race, and I believe there's 53 entries for the Snowball Derby as of this point. Yeah, and you look, it just let's go through the last 10 winners. Let's go 2009 on. Kyle Busch, he's doing all right. Um, Johanna Long had some, some racing years. She will NASCAR be experience. back this year in the Snowflake 100, back behind the wheel of a race car so it'll good to be to see her back behind the wheel of a race car chase elliott's won twice i think he's turned out all right eric jones has won twice he's also done good for himself john hunter nemechek won it in 2014 he just got a full-time cut or xfinity red and then christian eckes won it in 2016 he's been dabbling with some truck series stuff notable pole sitters from the past in this event william byron tyvin jeske chase elliott david reagan kale gale grant emfinger um, this is going to be a fun show, and there's there's some good hitters in this lineup here. And and this one, it's a little bit less filled with NASCAR drivers. You've got guys like Timothy Peters. He's entered into it. Harrison Burton's going to be there. Stuart Friesen. Noah Gregson. Noah Gregson. Ty Majeski will be there. As he's been trying to, to win this race for the last two or three years. He's had one of the fastest cars around. Uh, the the Snowball Derby will take place on Sunday, and all the coverage for that is handled by Speed 51, and they do a great job with that. But the, the entry list in this this race is it, what makes this race unique is qualifying. Is is there's 53 drivers all fighting for the 28 spots to lock into this race, and it is one of the most. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like Indy 500 bump day of the past. Is Drivers spend three days of practice just to try to make this race. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. And just looking through the, the most recent winners, um, last year Kyle Busch won it. Not on the entry list this year. But uh, there's a, a lot of guys that have the opportunity to win it this weekend. And I know that, that Trevor's more of a Iowa dirt guy, but I've been a, an asphalt late model person for a while. I have kind of run a couple of those races, so I know a few people that are headed down to Pensacola and, and definitely know some guys that have run this race in the past. So be paying attention to both races. Generally, I, I can take in both races because they're on different weekends, but it, this week, again, it, it they, they match up on the same weekend, but being two different styles of racing, two different locations i don't think it really hurts it and it just amplifies the significance of this weekend for short track no because i don't you know in in being on the flip side of this whenever you schedule a big event like this one of the first things you ask is what else is going on that's going to take away from this event and these are just two really great events that really don't really overlap each other because they're so far apart you got asphalt versus dirt um, there's people that'll they'll live and die by dirt and that wouldn't be caught dead in an asphalt race and perhaps vice versa too. So I think it's 
it's going to be a really fun weekend for sure. I might have to be careful sitting in the stands at the dome while I have my phone out checking in on what what's happening at Five Flags Speedway. Yeah, there's because both of these races it's it's with the Gateway Dirt Nationals, it's only the third one, but it's already become a tradition for me to, to pay attention, now go to it and, and watch it. I really want to be able to get to the Snowball Derby at some point, but I've, I've been watching that one on the, on the pay-per-view for it for years now and just love both of these events. It's going to be a fun weekend, a short track race, and for sure in November slash December. Can't ask for much better. Yeah, the, the, the hashtag for the Gateway Dirt Nationals is Dirt in December. But real quick, before we go, let's make a couple picks for these races. And as I know, we don't know a lot about a lot of these drivers. but yeah, I knew you were going to do that. Let's just look at uh, the, the winners of the, the Gateway Dirt Nationals and then the winner of the Snowball Derby. We'll start with the super late models inside the Dome at America Center in St. Louis. Go on, Bobby Pierce. Um, you know, he won it last year. He's always really fast. Pulling triple duty. I, I don't think he's going to pull the hat trick this weekend, but I think he can get one of them. So I'll take Bobby Pierce. You, you took my answer away. Is I'm going to go with Bobby Pierce going back to back here because he likes the little bull rings. And that's what this is. It's a bull ring. You got to get up, up on the wheel. You can't be worried about, about getting into anybody. So I'm going to go with Bobby Pierce. We'll go ahead and then move to the midgets. Is Who will be your midget winner at the Gateway Dirt Nationals? Give me Kyle Larson just because Kyle Larson – I'm going to go NASCAR drivers. Well, I'm going to go Christopher Bell. He's, he's won the Chili Bowl. That would have. And I think this race, the, the track is going to work. A, it's not exactly like the Chili Bowl. It's different shaped. It's a little rounder. But I, I think that experience and the, that momentum from the, the Chili Bowl will be there. I think Chase Briscoe will be there as well. And then also you got to watch out for Rico Abreu. Forgot about Rico. And going to be fun. And then we'll move to the Open Wheel Modifieds. Who will be your winner the Gateway Dirt Nationals. Man, this is a tough one because so many – I don't think there's like a clear, clear-cut favorite, is there? I think with the, the Modifieds, it's more open than everything else. And you, the, the interesting thing about the Modifieds is that the rule book, it, it more is toward the ump modified sanction, but there's a lot of different drivers from around the country that are headed here that have put together cars, and I think it's going to be uh, an interesting one. I'm going to go – I'm just going to go with the high side tickler, Kyle Strickler. Um, I was kind of torn between him or maybe a guy that you might take. I'm not sure. But uh, I'm going to be rooting for Nick Roberts, who I actually know personally, and I wish, I wish him the best of luck. But I'm going to go with Kyle Strickler. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to around Kansas City and stick with a hometown guy, make a lot of my Kansas City people happy. But I think Darren Fuquay, your USRA modified national champion, he's going to come in there. He's a wheel man, and he'll surprise some people and get the job done. All right. Now we'll go back to the asphalt and make a quick pick for the Snowball Derby. Trevor, who's your 51st winner of this race? Oh, you're putting a, a lot of pressure on me for this one. Um, I'll let you go first. I'm going to go Ty Majeski. As he's been trying to win this race and has brought really fast cars for a while, he hasn't been able to put all 300 laps together. I think this is the year he'll get it done. I also, though, it's going to be tough to pick against the 26 cars that are here in, in Bubba Pollard and Chandler Smith. I think that's going to be your top three in, in some order is Majeski, Pollard, and Smith. I was going to take Majeski, um, but I, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Stuart Friesen for really no no reason other than I like Stuart Friesen, and it's really kind of tough to, to pick one of these guys out. So, Well, with, with, with the Snowball Derby, if you pay attention to this at all and look at qualifying times, is the difference between first and 
29th, which will be the last car to make not make the show, you're going to be talking probably less than half of a second. This field is one of the tightest, most competitive fields you'll get all season long in any form of racing. So it's really hard to really pick out a winner and who's going to end up on top live pit stops for this race. Is it? It really is one of the best short track shows in the country. Yeah, going to be a ton of fun. Um, looking at this list, there's a handful of guys that it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Noah Gregson, for example. Um, you mentioned McDowell and Smith. Um, don't count out a, a guy like Derek Krause, who's, what, 17, I think, and he's been racing full-size race cars since he was, like, 12. Timothy Peters, Harrison Burton, Grant Enfinger. Going to be a fun show, and who knows, it could be somebody that completely surprises us. And those surprises could come when you're, you're asphalt late model regulars, guys like Jeff Chiquette. Uh, Casey Roderick, guys like that that are, are going to be able to have fast race cars in battle up there. So this has been another edition of the Left Turn, a special Wednesday edition. Is again is Winter Storm Bruce kept us from going live Screw on Monday. You, Bruce. So we were here and we went over our the first annual I Took a Left Turn awards and also talked about this weekend's big racing in the Gateway Dirt Nationals and the Snowball Derby. We will be back on Monday from two to three really recap these two short track races from this weekend and, and talk about some more silly season news. This has been The Left Turn. For Trevor Mater, I'm Jacob Blair.